Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to White Wine Question Time, the podcast that tasks its guests with three thought-provoking questions. Now, usually they're washed down with three glasses of wine, but this week... We're on the ginger beer because my guest is a teetotaler of 13 years. He's an actor, a writer, a comedian and an impressionist who's been a regular fixture on our screens for over 20 years. His career began when a mate from drama school, Steve Coogan, helped him to get a job as an impressionist on Spitting Image before they both went on as a double act to win the Perrier Comedy Award together at the Edinburgh Fringe all the way back in 1992. From there came Pauline Calf's video diary. The award-winning fast show, 24-hour party people. He's been in Corrie, and most recently he's back in the role that I would say has been career-defining for him as Pete Gifford in Cold Feet. John Thompson, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's a busy old life you've lived, isn't it? Yeah, it is busy. Yeah, yeah. I was slightly put off by the title of this show. Uh, was it Three Glasses of Wine? I was no, like, white wine well, question time. Straight away, flat, no. Flat, no. And they said, no. It's okay. Other people have been on. But don't, don't drink. Who don't. So I said, okay, that's all I need to hear. 13 years off the booze. Yeah, yeah. 13 so, years with that hangover. Yeah, yeah, it's great. That's marvellous. Yeah, it's great, yeah. The things that, you know, things have to take a dramatic change. I'd go, still go to do's, but I leave early. But I realised that the reason why people drink is to tolerate the night. Because <laughs> they're all the same. Exactly the same. And they're kind of like, I think through the veneer, the mist of, of drunkenness... Yep. They're all right. They're actually okay. But when you're stone cold sober and seeing it, you yep. know, in the in the harsh reality that it is, 
not great. Well, also, you realise it gets to a certain point in the night and then everything is just a repeat. Yes. And I always tell the person closest to me that I've gone with, uh, that, that, uh, that I'm not leaving with, that I'm leaving, so people don't worry. Yeah. I don't just back to it. People go, where's it going? Is he all right? What's happened? What's, what, you know, so you've got to kind of indicate. But otherwise, if you tell a group of people, it's, hey, come here and have a dance. Get on the dance floor. Come here, give us a kiss. You. Come on. And it's like, it d- delays your departure by about 25 minutes. Yeah. So just, just the one that can be trusted who's still a bit sober, go, right, I'm off. And then out the door. Bye. I'm going. And do you find some, sometimes, though, it's a bit like... You know, there's a brilliant um, dialogue in the royal family when Ralph Little's character became a vegetarian and Nana's going to him, what about a little ham sandwich? <laughs> like, I know. Do people say like, oh, you don't drink? What about a little shandy? It's always that. You can, you can have one, though, can't you? Just have, you can have just one. No, you can't just have one. That's it. You're back on screen now as Pete. We have, we've seen as this series and the years have unfolded that quite often they will strip you of your clothing. Yeah, they do on this show. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's been a few naked pieces. What do you mean Jimmy done a full frontal run into a pool in Australia in Sydney? And I'm sure if you've got a jog shuttle kind of <laughs> DVD player, you could probably see our tackle. If you could frame by frame, you remember that? You could just yeah. you could pause it and press play and it'd go frame, frame, frame. So if you're that interested, uh, you'd have probably seen a bit there. But bum, yeah, I've shown me bum quite a bit. I mean, Jimmy did in the pilot uh, where he yeah. had a rose position very... Uh, very neatly between the cleft of his buttocks. Um, people say he had a rose in his bum. Well, that's a bit of a different thing. It's yeah. not tr- he was clamping. True. He was clamping. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. It's a very good expression. How's it been going back and stepping into Pete's shoes? Because, I mean, you've had some really challenging storylines. Very, been, yes. It's been 25 years, almost, since you well, first 13, started. 13 year hiatus. But we Blimey. there was constant talk within that 13 years of it coming back. Some was generated by the newspapers. Some, I, I, I didn't know. But it got to the point where I needed the smoke with the fire, you know. And, uh, the, and finally, we were given a tangible, like a pilot for another go. Because it wasn't really like, it was starting again, really. It wasn't a continuation of. It was almost like, right, this is another generation. We're, we're working. Well, you can't, can you? Because you've all grown like exactly. 13 years in that time. Exactly. And uh, it was like a pilot, and we looked at it, we liked it, and everyone agreed. Everyone went around. We asked Helen. It was hard because her character had been killed off. So I yeah, kind of yeah, that must have been tricky. Was hard. What was we her reaction? Back and, uh, well, my because I write. One of my suggestions was from using the 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 device they use in Dexter is he talks to his dead father, but not in a supernatural way. It's like his mentor. So you see him talking to his dead father. But there's none of that kind of people walking in the room and there's he's chatting to an empty chair and they go, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> or do you know what I mean? And they go, what? And they look round. And that could be Adam talking it, to her. Yeah, it was, I said, why don't you make Rachel Adam's romantic conscience? Mm. And he talks to her about, I don't know what to do. And you know what? They've kind of done that with Faye's character, Jenny, with her with her dead friend, Charlie. That's exactly. Yeah. That, that's so they the, took your idea, John. Yeah, I didn't think that. <laughs> <laughs> but Helen didn't want to do it. She didn't? No, she just didn't want to come back. You know, she's a mum now. She does cuckoo. She's happy. So good luck to her, you know. That's it. Oh, good well, the, the job was there, but she chose, you know, to, to move on. So that's fine. Okay, question number one. So you were 27 when you first played Pete. Now, 24 years later, you are still inhabiting his skin. So in your own life, during that time, what have been the big standout moments for you, the achievements that have, have informed who you are today? 
Uh, okay. So I was leaving home was a big thing for me because I kind of I I'd, I'd grown up in Preston in Lancashire. I had a very happy childhood, you know. I, d I didn't have a miserable, doom-ridden childhood. I, I lived in a rural area in New Longton, which is just outside Preston, uh, and it was very agricultural where we were. So a lot of that was outdoor play. There was a disused railway line behind us. It was the South the Preston to Southport line, but there were no tracks on it. So all the tracks had been taken up, and it was this huge expanse with a bridge at the end that was a great place to play, right? You mm. had fire builder, den, all those things. So that, there was a little gate at the bottom of our garden and that went on to that. So we had like a, ma you know, shed, but it was like a massive play space. And then we'd go to the county woods, we'd make fires, we'd build rope swings. And it was a lot of that kind of just idyllic kind of stuff. I, I feel blessed that there were no iPads then. I mean, the, the, our first nod towards technology was an Atari. And it was joyous, and it was so uh, it was so great that when we went to bed, I could hear my mum and dad and their friends playing it. <laughs> so I mean, these big I, clunky joysticks. Yeah, you yeah. Get them, they, they re they re they they they've kind of reborn. They've been reborn, but you realise that when you get this these new like the micro systems compared to the size of them now, mm -hmm. but they've got like forty games on. You realise how poor some of the games were, but how easily entertained we were yeah so i had a good i didn't really like school because i was disruptive i was a, a class clown and I, I i i kate i have to say this for every time i'm heckled at a stand-up gig i feel i'm paying penance for the times that i annoyed my teachers <laughs> and i want to apologize so every heckler i get is cut is payback You're right for for my low-level disruption <laughs> in the classroom where i was i was a pain do you know what I mean? And it was all for laughs and it was all for attention. You know, we talk about the 13 years since you last played P, but actually, uh, does it feel like a long time that you've been away from the from the show? show? And what happened in those intervening years for you that were defining? Um, when Cold Feet finished, it kind of came to a natural end where everyone wanted to kind of, everyone was all right with it. It wasn't like, oh, what, you know. Yeah, whose call was it? Because I was it, gutted, it, by the way. I think we should have gone to six. What did you do, five? We did five. It's a bit odd, that. I find that, that most things do an, you know, do an even number. Mm. They, they'll run, do six or eight and finish. But to do five, there was clearly something, I feel, that maybe I don't know about. But maybe, you know, it didn't have legs anymore or, you know. So that finished. But we our profiles were good enough to kind of continue work. I think I'd already done Fast Show before, Cold Yeah, you did, you did. I do like to diversify. I like to be a jobbing actor. Um, I like to do lots of different parts. I, I miss doing sketch work. You were the creator of some great catchphrases. I mean, jazz, nice. Great, mm, nice. Nice. It, I, mean, every, I mean, anyone of my age still drops that the moment jazz music comes on. I that know. still happens. I've got my own gif. <laughs> have you? I might have arrived, haven't you've, I? You've when made you've it. You've got your own gift. I couldn't believe it. Someone sent it me. I went, I thought they made it, but it's a proper, like, you know, you can get it. But yeah, I think. My two greatest jobs that I've done of the fast show that I've enjoyed have been the fast show and and cold feet. You're right about defining cold feet. I mean, it, it's the thing I'll be most remembered for because I've done it the most. But at the same time, I like to think that I've had a career that diverse that I'm remembered for for other things. But I'm glad that cold feet is of the quality that ah, it is that, that I can be remembered. You know, and those that like it love it, and those that don't don't watch it, and that's good. Mm. You know, there's not really a, there's no hate campaign against the show. There's but you, your um, your character Pete is just somebody that 
everybody roots for. And then you see him having, I mean, the, the depression storyline that you came back with, you must have felt a massive responsibility with Huge. that. Huge. Massive, massive. I, I, it was only when I was reading up knowing you were coming on today that um, I started to understand that actually Mike Bullen, who, who wrote all episodes and series of, of Cold Feet from the get-go, it was his baby. That was kind of his story, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. In, in the years between the last series and, and it coming back. He went to write, uh, write he was write, he trying to write again. He went to Australia with his family and he didn't, the, the, he, he wasn't working, his, his, his projects weren't working for him. I think he, then he, he moved from the Gold Coast to Bristol and his family weren't happy about that. You can imagine why. We did an Australian episode. I was a bit lost there. I found, I don't know if I suffer from jet lag or I was drinking then though. So there was a bit of a combination. <laughs> that might be. Jet lag and, and, that might and, and be responsible uh, for your compass. A few tinnies, you know, mate. So, yeah, we, but we did, we did, we did a jolly in, in County Cold Rain in, in Port Rush where Jimmy's from. I loved it. Because I am Irish by birth, right? Mm. And I, I, I kind of embrace this wonderful welcome from the Irish in Northern Ireland. And it was just such a brilliant time, that. I mean, it was a bit wild, but it was great. Whereas Australia, I felt like a bit of a lost soul there. So, so Mike had written the show to, to go there because that yeah. had been his own experience. I think so, yeah, yeah. So when he calls you up and says, you know, the, the show's back on and we're back after all these years... And he then explains that Pete's storyline is, is when you, were you in touch with him during those years? Are you aware no, of the, the not parallels? At all. No, no, not at all. It was all, we were brought, we were shown, the, we were given the script, we all agreed, we all came back. The, the producer took me aside and said, right, we're going to start with Pete's first storyline. It's going to be a little bit out of your comfort zone. But we've done it deliberately because we know you can, you can do it. Oh, and you do it so well, well honestly, is, though, John. You are you are wonderful when you d- when you go to those depths. You really are. The thing is about though that I didn't mind. I, I, I comedy comes easily. I, I've kind of like I've got a pedigree with comedy, and and to do the, the as, as some people call it in inverted commas proper acting, it's just a joy to do because it's a nice change for me to be able to. And I, I had a, I had a real duty of care with this because I was playing Mike's story mm-hmm. the right, so I had to make it. As an actor, it's about truth and about being realistic. I owe it to the audience for them to for it to be truthful, for it to be, be believable, for it to be believable for Mike's sake, and be believable for everybody else out there suffering from you know uh, mental health problems, particularly depression. But uh, the, the, my, my main objective was to portray it in a realistic way, a convincing way, and do uh, Mike's story credit. Well, the backlash that came after the show had gone out was immense, and it was I had no in. Absolutely no idea the, the awareness that it created. Just like Faye with the breast cancer, she's getting so many plaudits for yeah. her, her her portrayal. The show is great like that because what we kind of do is we approach things head on that are very very serious. But the beauty of Cold Feet is it's sweet, bitter, bittersweet. What we'll do is we'll make it very heavy, and your heart's breaking, and then we can flip it on its side, yeah. and we can make we can find the humour in it. Because often cancer stories in dramas are just misery, just drudgery. It's all doom and gloom, and it's kind of you know. I just um, I think we've done a really good job with depression and breast cancer. We've done it in a kind of way that there's hope, you know, and 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 it works because the public the guy stopped me and said thank you. He just stopped me in a shop and said on the back of your storyline, I went to my GP because I knew what was wrong with me oh, and I saw your portrayal. You recognised themselves. Yeah, I've had it a few you? times. I've had people on social media say that to me. That's really heartwarming, you know, because that wasn't ever the intention. It was just to do a good job as an actor and be truthful. And clearly I was truthful enough because people have responded in such a such a good way. 
And I got a couple. I, I got a couple of awards for for that, and they, they were the ones that count really. Because there's the backslapping thespian ones I, that I didn't get any for, but everyone went, oh, you want a BAFTA for that, darling? And I'm like, well, that'd be like very nice. But but what I did, I got one from Kaleidoscope and I got one from Mind, so oh, which was both great. amazing charities, yeah, brilliant charities, they do and, really and, and progressive so, work in that area. And I mean, kind of like the older I get, the kind of more suspicious of awards I am. But those kind of meant a lot more than a thespian yeah. one, really. It, it was a bit. It was such a such a privilege to receive. Well, it's it's nice to be able to put a human face to an illness. Yeah. Or a condition that people live with. We're quite good, the Brits, at, at airing our grievances with friends. I, I feel that the reason why half half of America are in therapy is you say, "How are you?" and they go, "Oh my God, I'm great, <laughs> I'm really good, you know, awesome." I'm having the best time. And you just see the dead eyes, <laughs> yeah. can't you? She goes, yeah, I'm seeing my shrink at eight. It's great. And you think, oh, dear. So uh, one thing I think we are, well, we are talking about this stuff now. Thank God. Especially blokes. Because men generally stiff up a lip, keep up, keep up, you know, keep the British end up. We kind of, we just don't got the doctor. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Right, your, your second question. Are you ready? Yeah. Uh, we know that you started out working as an impressionist with Spitting Image. Mm. You've, you're a man of many voices. But I wondered if you could truly become someone else for a day, who would it be and why? My goodness me. Living or dead? Up to you. You just have 24 hours walking in that person's Oh, boots. my goodness me. It's something I've never even contemplated. For a day? 24 hours? You've got 24 hours. Harry Houdini. That's a good one. Yeah, Harry Houdini. Big, big fan of the magic? I am. Great fan of the magic. Great fan of Harry Houdini's, you know. Mm. He's an amazing story. The beauty of him was he was a showman. And what Harry would do is make a very easy escape look incredibly difficult. And that's what escapology is about. They literally can get out with it. They, they know a way of getting out of it in seconds. But they will struggle 
you know. So they're old hams, really. Yeah. They will, <laughs> but it can go wrong. It can go wrong. But they can make it look terrifying, as you've seen. You know those glass tank ones? Yeah. You know, water torture, that's called. I mean, sometimes you, you think it's going wrong, but it's very cleverly prepped. But, I mean, they, they're a bit hairy, though, especially when you see them on Britain's Got Talent and that, you know. He was such a brilliant showman that uh, people, you know, and, and at that, that time, that was the entertainment. Mm. Vaudeville, and, and uh, that, that period of time, the musicals and vaudeville fascinates me. To be able to go and see a variety bill of weird and wonderful acts, you know, like really strange, you know, unusual stuff. He became, when his mum died, he was very keen to contact, he loved his mum, and he became very keen to contact her, and he, he got very, involved heavily in the spiritualist movement and the medium. Me, oh, the so mediumship. you mean when she passed away? Yeah, yeah, he wanted to get in touch with her, so he contacted mediums and spiritualists, right. and he realised the whole thing was fakery, and he exposed it all. Him and his wife did it. And they went on tour being fake mediums. And what they would do for their mediumship act for that evening, they would go to the bar, the local busiest bar, and find the local drunk and buy him a few drinks. But what do drunks do? Talk, right? Uh -huh. So they could talk about, he'll tell you, oh, well, this guy here, he's right. They go and get a haircut. So they go and get the haircut. And the barbers, oh, they know everything, don't they? They're yeah. The village voice, aren't they? So she'd get her hair done and he'd get his hair cut. And then they go to the graveyard and make notes. And they've got a show. Because no. they know everything about the town. My From God. the town drunk, both the hairdressers, and going to the graveyard, they've got everything at their disposal. So they did this to prove that it yeah. was just all yeah, trickery but, came, but what happened to them was sometimes stuff they kind of guessed, it came true. So that kind of spooked them a little bit. Like a boy was... They saw a boy being... Uh, a, a young kid being t told off by his, his mother on a bicycle... And uh, he said, be careful of that bike because you'll fall off and you'll break your arm. And he did. And that was kind of freaked him out a bit. Well, despite his scepticism about the spirit world, Houdini swore to his wife, Bess, apparently, that he the, would contact her from signal. beyond the grave. Yeah, with a signal. And he told her to listen for a specific message. Do you know what that was? Yeah, go on. It was a series of codes that spelled out the words, Rosabelle, believe. And Bess, Houdini, eventually, she, she spent 10 years waiting she said, after 10 years, that's enough. 10 years is long yeah. enough to wait for any man. And that was that. So what, what captured your attention about Houdini? And you've Just, obviously read up on him a lot. I, I did. Read, American's first superhero, I remember, read the book on. But he's also done a magical... He did a trick that, to this day, the magical fraternity don't know how he did it. And he hid an elephant. He made an elephant disappear. What? Yeah. And there's a book called Jeffrey, Stein, Jeffrey Steinmeier wrote it, and it's called Hiding the Elephant. It's a great read because it's all about how they do... Uh, illusions, right? And uh, in that is the t they talk you through the day that he did the uh, the uh, elephant vanish. No one knows. So the did. magic circle of perplexed. It's yeah. It's a, one of those great mysteries. That's really brilliant. So what would you do in that? Um, in those in oh, those twenty four hours? I'd, I'd, I'd draw a crowd and do an escape. Maybe at Covent Garden <laughs> if we're in London. As we're in London, to a street bit of street street entertainment. So where is how it started doing escapology? Was it really? Yeah, it was. And someone said, why did he stop us? And he broke a nail. <laughs> 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 no, he did. Uh, Eddie, that was Eddie's first... Uh, he did Is a bit really? of a good apology. Yes, yeah, mad, Because you must have come up through... I mean, your Edinburgh win was around the same time as him, wasn't it? You were all emerging on the scene at the same time. You, Steve, Eddie... Yeah, yeah. 92. Well, not been long out of college. I left college at 90. Mm. Me and Steve were writing together, doing characters. And we formulated this show... I was the compere, Bernard Wrightholm, who's the politically correct Bernard Manning. And uh, I hosted the show, and I also played 
uh, Robin. Anyway, we wrote together, and we had a great system, really. It's particularly for Ernest. I used to relish writing for her. Is what we would do is we would dress up in character, drive around Manchester with a mate, with a camera, and go, stop, it looks good, and pose near a weird burnt-out one. I met one image I remember that endures is a burnt-out sandwich bar with, like, timbers, charcoal timbers sticking up, and it was called the Butty Bar Plus. We and Steve were just, what we do, we photograph first, develop the slides, because there was no PowerPoint then, there was, it was slides. We had a slideshow. Develop the slides, of course, We developed yeah. the slides. We'd sit, <laughs> put them in a carousel, click them, and then we'd go, right, and we'd write round the picture. We worked backwards. Interesting. So, yeah, so we did that. What we do, we, it was a great way of working. So we would we would literally, I mean, people must have drive, people driving past must have gone, what the heck are they so doing? So you cruise around where? Manchester? Manchester. Like, Ancoats was a good place because there's some quite interesting... Like the unfinished section of the Mancunian flyover. That was one of the things. Right. And I'd stand at the top of it. But you're not supposed to be up there, I don't think. <laughs> but uh, oh, you just So that was the way we worked. Anything we that grabbed your attention was the rules. That yeah, was that it. Was it. We got, Stop here. That looks good. And we just posed near the thing. One was a, a, literally an abandoned caravan that was in a lay-by that had been like started to come apart. You could see, you know, the outer shell had been so come what, off it. And, what and it had me that? pulling it. Like that, and he goes, there's Robin, he's strong as an ox with the mind of a child. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, he bam- I said he bought a caravan, and then I remember the line, Steve, when he went, you come on with this. He went, we've been bamboozled by tinkers. <laughs> he said, oh, happy days. We had such a laugh doing that. But yeah, God, 92. I and went it was back your, it was recently. your writing that really got you recognised. And in fact, you carry, you've carried on writing quite a only, lot. Certainly with Steve. Only with Steve. Vast show wrote me characters. The, some of the characters. Some of the Paul and Charlie wrote. But I feel that maybe it's time to... I think we need a sketch show. We need comedy. There's a drought. There's a comic There's a total drought. stagnation. Yeah. I think part of the problem with that is, is put, taking all BBC online onto three. I, think it, I don't think we're ready for that. I signed numerous petitions to say don't do it because I think they thought, oh, young generation YouTubers, that's the way it's going. It's too early. I think it should have made... mm, I have to get the nod. What it happens, it's kind of trialled on three on the internet and then yeah. it's put on, isn't it? Yeah, that's, that's the rule. That's the, but that's kind of what BBC Fle- Two used to be. BBC I One. think she's, she's great. She's a breath of fresh air. That's just a joy to see. Yeah. Amazing. Just like Ricky did with the, with the office. Do you think you're, you're right with Steve again? Because you, you wrote a lot of Partridge, didn't you? He's doing a lot of... Uh, yeah, we did we did stuff with Partridge. We just did, did the Scissor Dial last. I think he's working on something. I don't know if I can say, actually. Something up in the lakes, that's what I'll say. With Jeff. Him and Jeff are a top team now. I think it is time, at this time, really, that I put pen to paper. Okay, are you ready for your last question? Yes. What would you do differently if you knew no one would judge you? Do you know what I really like? Clothes. And I would love, I love dressing up. I would love to be smart every day. Would really you? Really beautifully tailored every day if I could. It's not practical though. I, I, do you know? What was stopping you? Well, it, not, nothing, but I just, think, I just don't really feel it's kind of, I think as an old man, when I, when I get into my senior, really senior years, I don't see myself as old now. Uh, I, I, I've always had an interest in 
clothes. I've always liked nice clothes, and I, I've, I've always thought... I've always kept everything as well. You won't see how much clothes I've got. It's ridiculous. Are you a hoarder? I am a hoarder, yeah. Oh. But, 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 but organised, colour banks. Really? Yeah, oh, yeah. John, now you're talking yeah. my language. Jackets, uh, casual jackets, suits, shirts, summer shirts, winter shirts. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trousers, summer trousers, winter trousers. Nice. Yeah, I don't really... My shoes are a bit chucked in the bottom, but I know where everything That's is. That's all right. That's all right. You're doing really but well But I do like... Hanging. I remember getting a book called Dressing the Man, and it was all about fashion for men, about... And I tell you, it was a major uh, influence on clothing was... Um, he... Do you know that he attended a function where... There was a, a, the, 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 the gravel driveway, the particular state the home was visiting, was uh, rather waterlogged. So he turned up his trousers with the, with the edge and invented that. He invented the He was the like the David Beckham of the day. No. Yeah, he, uh, he invented turnips, apparently. How do you know this stuff? Oh, I, just, I am a mine of information. <laughs> the only things I'm interested in. You've got all the pub knowledge without the pub activities these days. Yeah, I'm good. At, I'm, I'm, I just like people do go, how do you know that? And I go, I kind of like, I'm a walking, what they call them? Factoid. <laughs> <laughs> I do like them. Only if it's things that interest me, though. But yeah, Edward VIII invented the turnip. He um, was actually an incredibly dapper man. Very, she very, also was yeah. incredibly elegant. It's a nice, it's a nice period of time, that, yeah. though. For clothes, as well. Yeah, yeah. That kind of Tennessee look, you know, that mm. Hollywood, you know, with the big baggy trousers and that jump yeah. over the shoulders. I like that. Kind I of, like that. that kind of look. The big shirts. I loved it because then that was the kind of for, for women. Very Errol Flynn kind of, exactly. you know, with the pencil but Lauren stuff. Lauren Bacall with those yeah. amazing, and Kate, Kate Hepburn, uh, she would wear that androgynous kind of women in trousers for probably one of the first times that we'd seen publicly. Yeah. It's it's interesting that there's kind of like, there's, there's no such thing as fashion. There's only style. And there's kind of things that where it goes... You can mix and match yeah. things. So I was really shocked that you could wear a striped tie with a paisley for pocket square. And it's kind of like when I do dress up, I do like to get other few accessories, you know, like pocket square or tie pin or things. But that whole, I like, I've got a massive collection of cufflinks. But the thing is, the opportunity to wear them is few and far between. <laughs> and I think maybe I'll come into my own when I'm older. I just, I just kind of, I think in a, in a, I'm a great believer in past lives. I think I was probably someone very dapper in a previous life. Do you? Yeah, who had a, who had a, a valet. <laughs> <laughs> who would lay lovely. it all out and go, "Good morning, sir." And while he's hiding <laughs> my newspapers. I'm <laughs> uh, running your bath. Exactly. Are you a big shopper? Are you a no, big not really. Clothes? You see, what happens with with TV is you have a, a micro wardrobe. So what you do is you kind of go shopping, and you you have to be as an actor, you can't be as brutal to say pick everything you like because I have to pick things that only Pete would wear so, I, so with, yeah, with you get to buy it afterwards at a, a, a discount yeah because they got what they're going to do with it so they said you can buy stuff at a, 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 so a do you have a hand rate. in what Pete buys yeah Pete... I buy enough for me that I can keep and so, enough that stays for so Pete so do you buy Pete's clothes or Some, you've, you've, got, no. a, you've well, got a stylist on the show that does we, it yeah, we're a stylist but we know what Pete tends to wear and are you trying to switch the stylist to pick out things that no, you can I, wear in your real life? Well, the smart, yeah. You've got, <laughs> you've, you've, you have to have enough that, that you can credibly... I mean, thank, uh, I mean, imagine being Rabsi Nesbitt. <laughs> <laughs> You're really stuck there, aren't you? You're not going to buy your wardrobe at the end of that series. People do have a tendency to judge. I mean, it's nice to dress... You know, when you've been to an event and you are dressed up, not necessarily bow tie, but smart, the way you're treated, it's so different. Is you know, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, like in shops and... It's so remarkable how people 
people's perception through fashion of, of people is... I remember reading recently about a woman in the Vivian Westwood days when punk started. She was a perfectly lovely girl, but she had a purple, massive Mohican and used to get on the train in the morning and people were... Used to be really awful to her, and then used to the, the train people used to let her sit in first class because she got so much abuse just because of the way she looked. So if you if you could dress any way you you choose without like any judgment, you like would you I do like, like a moleskin trouser, a, br a brown brogue, yeah, uh, uh, like a a, a a Harris tweed jacket with yeah. the patches and a, and a waistcoat. Yeah, that's a nice look, sort of sh shooting weekend kind of. <laughs> I do like that look. That's a lovely look. Yeah. But yeah. So maybe as you get older, you're going to indulge your fashion I think a little so. more. I think I'll, yeah. I think I'd like to be a dapper, a dapper gent. So in terms of cold feet, in, you know, your character, obviously, Pete, is not... Is, is, these I mean, are great, but I just say, these are great questions, by the way. Oh, thank you. Because they're just different. I just get sick of talking about myself. Yeah, no, it's good like, to be Like in the normal thing, and I'm not really, you know... Someone said, have you written your autobiography? I went, no, because I've heard it all before. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you should call it. <laughs> Maybe you're right. I've heard, heard it, it all before. before. That's quite good. <laughs> yeah, that's better than beers of a clown. <laughs> <laughs> Bits of a clown. Yeah. Brilliant. Also, I good. said that to Steve. We went, yeah, yeah, good luck with that. Uh, good luck with that. Yeah, yeah, nice one. So your natty dressing, I'm just trying to think back to the but most I'm quite recent... today, but you're thinking, well, you know. No, 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 not at all. But I'm still trying to think back what, what Pete's been wearing on screen that you could buy at a bargain price. And the only thing I can think of is he did wear a suit for jury service. Yeah, but other that's, than that, that's really, the, yeah, got that. you're looking at Jimmy's wardrobe in terms of what would be more appropriate for your own personal tastes. I wish Jimmy wouldn't be sold. You know, you said you see him down your gym, don't you? I do. We he go has to lost the same a lot gym. of weight over the years, I tell you. I said, don't lose any more because next to you, next to you, I'll feel like Oliver Hardy. <laughs> I said, please don't. I don't like it. Do you know what I mean? And TV puts ten pounds on you as, as it is. I know it's a cool so annoying because I thought flat screen TV. Hey, back to normal. No, they're it's hideous. not. It's, it's worse. Do why? It's the lens. Yeah. It's the lens. It's like a fish thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes you bigger. And HD as well. There's no hiding. No, there's no hiding. That's why I've moved it? into podcasting. You know, and I've got John. a massive head as well. But I used to think I'd give people with widescreen TV value for money. <laughs> I see what Pete does like, and I don't mind, is a Hawaiian. Right. It's Pete Gifford's signature is a Hawaiian. It in is. In the summer. At the, a barbecue. The, yes, very much so. But some, I will uh, some I, I, I will definitely wear abroad when I go away. Okay. Yeah, not maybe in Didsbury. Some are a little bit... Some are a little <laughs> bit uh, one of my favourite scenes in a Bond film. I mean, it would have been... I, I love James Bond. I always have since I was a little boy. I mean, for a day, it was nearly him, but I thought it was a bit obvious, so I thought Houdini's a bit more interesting. But one of my favourite scenes regarding fashion is in Live and Let Die when Roger Moore is, is Bond and his tailor is proffering him three ties over his arm and it just comes to Bond and he goes, that's a little frantic, I'll take the other two. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I love that scene. But he was a big into his clothes. He, he used to design. Roger Moore. Yeah, he used to design his clothes for the persuaders. Did he? Yeah, yeah. It said. It says at the end on the titles. It went uh, Lord Brett Sinclair's clothes design, and it's Roger Moore's signature. Wow. But he's yeah dapper. But Roger. he started out in fashion. He was a model. That's before right. Before he's an actor, knitwear well, model. He was because I remember Dame Edna pulled up. I remember it's like a le it's a, like a lemon. It's a lemon tank top. I think he's wearing on the and it's like cable knit. <laughs> Some of them are photographs, but then they're sort Some of the drawn over them as well. Yeah. yeah, I think the one that Dame Edna pulled out, well, here you are, Roger, look at this. It's a wonderful picture. <laughs> and it was him in a yellow cable-knit tank top. But yeah. he pulled it off beautifully. 
Um, thank you so much for coming in and Pleasure. sharing your your views on your your fashion future. Yes. Your 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 love of Houdini from the past. Yes, I'll make my escape. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you're going to be working with Gabby Rosler. You've been you've got you've had a show that in we Los did on the we had it on Radio Four, yeah. and it was Gabby's talking pictures. So it's a film quiz with a twist. So it's a comedy film twist. And you're doing it live now. Film twist, did I say? Yeah. Yeah, we're doing it live at the Leicester Square Theatre. So by the time this goes out, you'll have done one show already, but she's got another one in March. Part of the show is the Alistair McGowan and Ronnie and Kona do impersonations of scenes from films, but with the d d the wrong actors, ah, which is clever. So that's really clever. Yeah. So, yeah, so you do you get to, to kind, kind of, of flex your impressionist muscles? I do it occasionally. I'll do it. Alistair will go, oh, yeah, John does a good. And I'll just kind of, you know, just slip her. Uh, Sean in or something like that. <laughs> um, I don't get to do it much. It's a party trick now, Kate, to be honest. Is it? Yeah, oh, people people don't even know that I do it. You've got to be careful with it if you're an impressionist because it's a bit like magicians. You're a bit weird. Do you know what I mean? And people go, oh, he's doing it again. I did hear a story and it really broke me. It was Addison Cresswell. All right, you ready? Oh, Addison, Addison Cresswell, I, just to explain to the right, listeners, was, was a, a, a manager. Agent, an agent. An agent of great comedy talent who sadly is no longer with us, but a real character. And, and he, was, he had an amazing duality about him, didn't mm, he? Yeah. That he managed to carry off this evening persona and be a brilliant businessman during the day. Yes, yeah, so he owned Soho by night. Yeah, it's probably he a did. good he way did to own it. And and actually his his loss was felt so He was a very good businessman yeah. and he managed a lot of great names. I mean Lee Evans was under his tenure and and stepped back from working for a long long time after Addison he passed away because he just couldn't find a way to think of work life without him really. When I first moved to London I needed a way in. I didn't know many people because I was an orderer. And uh, this story got back to me and someone told Addison that he'd been with me in the Groucho the night before. He went, oh, I was with uh, I was with John Thompson the other night in the Groucho. We had a brilliant time. He went, doing his voices, was he? And I, and I went, oh, no, doing his voices. And it was my kind of way that I do silly, you know, impressions to kind of get in. <laughs> and it killed me, and I never kind of did it after that. Oh, really? And so not on to, only on request. Only on request. But I thought, oh, I might be a bit of an, a bit of an annoying idiot. So, yeah, well, you know. But it, maybe it was a good thing. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe it would have been a different route that you travelled. Yeah. Could have been, yeah. I could be a full-time annoying idiot now. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever you choose to do with that skill, you've definitely still got it. And um, I look forward to coming and seeing your shows with Gabby. It's Gabby Roslin's Talking Pictures. That's right. Uh, and John is on our screens and available on catch-up because we don't do scheduling anymore. No, we don't. Cold feet on ITV. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Uh, as always, White Wine Question Time is produced by me, Kate Thornton, with Caitlin Mercer. Editing is by Callum Goddard Mucklow. As always, our music's provided by Andy Bell. His back catalogue with Oasis Ride and his cellar material is available in all your usual music outlets. And we haven't touched a drop this week, so do as you like. But I would suggest if you are drinking, drink responsibly. And don't forget, if you want to listen to more of these podcasts, you can instruct your home device just by saying Alexa or OK Google. Take me to the latest episode of White Wine Question Time. Simples. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.